Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme Warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. This is Mimi, and today we're going to be talking about acupuncture with Jacques de Perdue. Thank you, Jacques, so much for coming on today. Jacques is nationally board certified in acupuncture and Chinese pharmacology. He's also the director of the Center for Everyday Vitality in Darien, Connecticut. Jacques utilizes acupuncture, acupressure, Chinese herbology, healing diet, and Qigong therapy to treat a wide range of disorders and illnesses. Jacques is one of my favorite people. I met Jacques over 20 years ago when I started going to acupuncture in Darien, Connecticut. What I love about Jacques was not only was he well-versed in traditional Chinese medicine, but he also has a way of explaining things that made sense. Our talks before each session were crucial because he always allowed me to deal with the emotional piece of healing as well, not just the acupuncture. I stopped going to acupuncture for a couple years, but once my health deteriorated because of the Lyme, I started to go back to acupuncture regularly. I found that this is one of the essential tools for my healing. Jacques, I would love for you to tell our listeners how you came to study traditional Chinese medicine soon after graduating from Colgate University. I think it's a quite fascinating story. You know, I, I, was, uh, I got out of college and I was neuroscience pre-med and I was in this 10-year program and I said to myself after the first semester, there's no way I can do 10 years of school. So when I was in high school and college, I taught sailing. So I decided, well, it's good time to go sailing. So I got my 100-ton Merchant Mariner's license, and I was running a charter boat on Martha's Vineyard. And, you know, my brother is like uh, Columbia Engineering, MBA, went into banking. So my parents were, you know, obviously concerned that I was on the vineyard, like, doing charter boats. So I'm going to keep this brief. So basically, I uh, injured myself severely, uh, a spinal injury, and I was told, uh, yeah, you're never going to lift more than five pounds, you need surgery. And a, a tanker captain that I knew who worked for Exxon sent me to his wife. He's like, ah, she does acupuncture, go see her. I got acupuncture, and I was dumbfounded. First of all, I started to get better. Second of all, I could not believe that it worked. And what I mean by that is it not only changed my physical experience and I started to heal, but also it changed my consciousness. And what I mean by that is, in retrospect, I was, I was 23. I was clinically, I was like told I would never, it was my life, you know? And, and I had already broken my arm and I had a plate put in my arm. I had been a little bit reckless as a youth so i i was so profoundly transformed by the acupuncture and and that i'm the type of person if i want to do something i just do it so i was like i'm going to china so you know i had this charter business i left the charter business i started looking to just go to china so i met this qi gong master in la when i was visiting my wife who's she was my girlfriend at the time and uh I'm, I said, okay, I'll travel to China with you. My parents, obviously, at this point, were 
it's time to take him to the Lenox Hill psychiatrist, which is a true story. They're like, we're gonna, you're gonna go see somebody. So, and now they're like, bring your needles, bring your needles. So, you know, why I did that was, is I went to China to study. And from there I studied Qigong in 1993 which is, the, and, and those are the actual exercises I'm teaching right now that I learned in 1993, I was in Shanghai for a couple of months, came back, got my, uh, at the time there was no PhDs in the United States in 97. I did all my five years. I got a double master's in uh, herbology and acupuncture. And that was the beginning of where I am today. And hopefully I can explain to you in the simplest of terms, what acupuncture, for lack of a better term, is, or what, what, what it facilitates, what it awakens, what it accentuates in each one of us as a human being. I love that story. So thank you so much for sharing. So acupuncture has been viable healing source for over 3,000 years or something in that range. Um, can you tell us the basic principles of acupuncture and why it's such a trusted therapy? So... So acupuncture itself is something that is a unique experience. So each individual, when they have acupuncture, will have a unique experience. Saying the word acupuncture is like saying the word music. Like if somebody says, oh, have you ever had acupuncture? And somebody's like, yeah, I had acupuncture. Yeah, I had a that's like saying, hey, you ever heard music? Yeah, I heard music. You heard music? Yeah, like, well, we all know, like, especially if you have children, like what they listen to and what I would listen to might be a little bit different. So, but acupuncture is similar. So to answer your question in a non-evasive way, the Chinese theory, the theory behind acupuncture, and this is going to be translated, I'll use some language, but I don't, I really like to try to leave out terminology that makes people not understand in simple terms what acupuncture is. So basically the Chinese theory is describes that our body is one energy. Okay. Which we know from quantum physics is correct. We're packets of energy. Uh, two, that that energy is uh, unified or is contained or holds a shape for some reason. And what does that we really actually don't understand as far as you know, our science. The Chinese believe that there are these meridians that travel through our body. And over time, they have developed a relationships between parts of our body, internal organs, emotions, seasons. And so it's not something that necessarily is disconnected or like something that, you know, you need to know like yoga, you need to know chakras, right? You don't have to believe in chakras. You don't have to believe in meridians, right? You know, in the, when acupuncture was first introduced into the United States, uh, it was actually the veterinary medicine which jumped on it because it was being kind of observed in the 70s as like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And uh, they saw videos of animals getting acupuncture. It works on babies. And so they were like, well, it's doing something. And, but, you know, in our society, what happened was, is they just put it off as like, well, if we can't, doesn't make any sense. So we'll call it the placebo. Secondly, it's not, you know, the, uh, you know, a Korean 
system might only use the hand and a Japanese system might only palpate the abdomen and needle, you know, the wrist. And so then that even more confounds our society because we're like, well, there's all these different kinds of systems. What's, what's the one that's best, right? We all want to know, like, what's the best thing? But it's the, that's why I use the analogy to music. So, so in terms of returning to your question, the basic theories are that we are our energy and that by stimulating that aspect of our bodies that it can facilitate change, okay? So now I'm gonna jump into uh, the aspect of an acupuncture treatment and, ex and an experience. So if somebody asks me what acupuncture does, which you didn't, but in a way you kind of asked me about the history, I would say that it facilitates a communication between your physical reality, your emotional reality, and your mental reality. And what do I mean by that? So we'll keep it simple. And since, so we'll talk about Lyme. It would, you know, if, would you, do you want to ask me the second, the, you know, do you want to ask me any more questions before I go forward? Or, you know, because I can just keep going. Uh, your, your call. I, I want to pause there for a second so that I can explain before I get into the acupuncture or the experience of it, would you like me to give a specific example given this is about Lyme? Yeah, that, that's perfect. Why don't you just talk about how this uh, acupuncture heals, you know, or helps somebody who's going through chronic Lyme? Okay, so chronic Lyme, that's a whole other topic, but we're going to touch on that and I'm not going to stray. So chronic Lyme, as you both know, is how long is the list of symptoms? It's, 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 too, it's too profound. It's too big. You know, everything from neurological, psycho-emotional, physiological, okay, and I mean, you know, uh, you know, everything from feeling fibromyalgia-like pain from head to toe, chronic fatigue-like presentations, to, you know, similar to attention deficit, to uh, emotional reactions, to uh, significant digestive disorders. I mean, and, and also the treatment strategies, right? You know, right. Uh, because like being on an IV pick for six months in and of itself, you know. That's awful. It, I've done it. <laughs> yes. But I don't really, I don't, we can focus on that later on if you'd like, or we can, you know, discuss that a little bit now, but basically, so let's pick a couple of things. So basically you get diagnosed with this and it's not just like, Oh yeah, my elbows, you know, I feel achy, my elbows hurt and my joints hurt. It's debilitating your life. You're a young athlete. You're a mother with three kids. You know, you're not sleeping. Your digestion isn't working. The treatment strategy that you were told didn't work. And then the other person's like, well, it worked for me. And then all of a sudden, now you've been put into this kind of category. So nothing is just like physical. There's always an emotional component. And then the mental component is like really tough too, because you're like, how come I'm not getting better and they're getting better? 
right? What can I do? What can I take? Give me something to fix this. Okay. So now that we've gotten into that, how does acupuncture approach that? So from a purely physiological point of view, what ultimately we're looking to do is to, in a simple terms, increase the body's savings and cut its expenses. And, and in the, in, if you cut your arm, you don't have to go, hey, let me send some white blood cells and platelets, right? So, so what debilitates our body's own immune function from working? physically being taxed, right? So if somebody comes in, they're like, yeah, I drink like 10 Red Bulls a day. I smoke a pack a day, you know, I sleep two hours a night. Their physical reality can't like pay those bills and then heal. And, you know, likewise, if somebody's like, well, I was born with, you know, I'm an asthmatic, I have um, uh, IBS and I, you know, had my gallbladder removed, okay. So that person is going to have a lot of more work to build up that energy in order to manage this kind of crisis because we're all unique, okay? So simply put or specifically put, the first thing is to figure out how to help their physical reality. So how to support their own personal immune function. The second thing is what's going on in their lives, you know? They got little kids or they got a stressful job, or they might lose their job because of this, that needs to be addressed. And then the other one is, is try to assist them to reframe the way that they think of Lyme. Definitely there are, and you guys are aware of that, and you know, it takes a few minutes, you know, hopefully what you guys are doing is, is really trying to hone in and help people so that they don't have to go through the same paths, you know, that you know, possibly you had gone through or that I'm, you know, that Mimi just recently discussed. But basically the idea is your body is miraculous, support its healing function and you'll be able to manage it. And so that's a very classical traditional understanding. Instead of avoiding what makes you, you know, have allergies, strengthen your body so that the that which you're allergic to can go away and you know that may seem far-fetched to some but i have treated a multitude of people over the years including with severe peanut allergies that their allergies you know disappeared and of course you know then they dispel that off to like well you know they probably grew out of it or whatever however you know they were like severe cashew allergies anaphylactic and I gave them four treatments and they went and got tested and like they weren't allergic anymore so of course that's can't have any correlation with my treatment which is fine I got no problem with that kid's happy because he can eat nuts right you know those are many many stories but but you know ultimately it's about supporting and enhancing each unique individual to have enough energy in their body, to have enough emotional, you know, focus and an emotional, uh, enough mental focus so that they can then take care, better care of themselves. It's about self-healing. Acupuncture facilitates an acceleration of our own self-healing. And, you know, and to me, you don't have to, okay, now I'm gonna get in trouble maybe with some practitioners, but it's like, you don't have to do Qigong, you don't have to do yoga. If you're, 
yoga is a bike ride or a Sudoku puzzle or a dance party, that's where it's at. Anything that makes you feel joyful, creative, and a sense, and you have a sense of wonder is going to physiologically heal you, psycho-emotionally heal you, and mentally give you a break, right? And that's what right now I'm trying to share with everybody with the situation we're in right now is that message because then you don't have to get something and take something. Although those things are good, what can we do today? You know, what can I, what can I do to, today to take care of myself? So, you know, there are, uh, there are a multitude of different types of acupressure that can uh, enhance the immune function. There are a multitude of different types of movements that we can do, you know, that people call Qigong, Tai Chi, you know, uh, there are many, many herbs which are, have been found highly effective for Lyme, which, you know, the list is lengthy. Most of them are translated into English now, like, uh, I think, uh, you know, um, what if, uh, artemisium, yeah, sweet wormwood, Cascal, those are all, they have their own Chinese herbal names, but you know, okay. you know, those, those are all, those are all Chinese herbs. I didn't uh, realize that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, 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 Chinese. those are, those were traditionally used in ancient times to kill uh, parasites. So, so those, I, were, those were, those were, those were herbs that were used for parasites. You know, you want to talk about, I don't know this old. You, you talk about the history of Chinese medicine. Uh, they, were, they were, you know, 1000 AD. And if you look at our history, 1000 AD, they were having young women urinate on rice paper and dry the, the and when the urine dried, they would scrape it and give it to women who had menopause, okay? And, and what do we use? Horse urine, okay? So people don't know these kinds of things, but all of these, all of these hormonal strategies- Where are we using horse urine? In, in, for women's hormones. Oh God. You don't know that. Well, that, that it, then they made it synthetic. So anyway, you, know, you can cut this part out if you want or whatever, but why I'm trying to say that they were using during smallpox, they, they were vaccinating people before we, you know, when we were drilling holes in people's heads, yeah. the, 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 you know, the, they would take the crust of the smallpox and put it in a tube and blow it up somebody's nose to inoculate them. It's like divine intervention, right? It's just, it's literally, when I started to really study Chinese medicine, I was like, I love your, you said that. I was like, how could beings be so evolved to understand a system that actually now explains what we know in quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Chinese medicine is quantum physics. We, ex we all exist in a state of probability. And our probability is whatever that materialization is. If we can change the way we observe reality, then we can change reality. That's what a miracle is. Whether you prayed it, or whether whatever you believe in, your conscious attention and intention is what ultimately has the most force 
to transform our physical experience. Okay, Jacques, I have a question for you for all the novices out there who have not tried acupuncture. Um, a basic question. Can you just tell us like what actually happens when you put the needle in the skin and what happens to our body with our energy and, and, this, and what triggers the healing mechanism? So I thank you very much for that question. And Mimi has experienced acupuncture not only you know, from uh, myself, but from other people as well. And she also knows that every acupuncture experience every time is different. And what that means is, and I'm gonna use the analogy of the music again, you can hear the same song, you can play the same song a hundred times and every time you listen to it, depending on your mood or state of mind, you'll hear it or experience it in a different way, okay? So most acupuncturists do not explain to the patients what's going on. And they might not even understand what's going on. They went to a school, put the pins there, that's for stomach pain, that's a headache, they do that. The person lays there, they're laying there, and then not all, all the time, but often they'll be like, whoa, I went out or I fell asleep or kind of was like in a dreamy thing. Then they come out of it and they're like, whoa, I feel really weird. And then they'll kind of like, and they're like, oh, that's funny. My shoulder feels better. So you're asking me in one way, what is actually occurring? So it's a personal experience because the practitioner, in a sense, guides the patient to whatever their personal issue is through the discussion at the time to either do a breathing exercise or something. That's how I practice. Other people might just be like, well, it's your iliotibial band and needle it. Um, I personally believe that, you, you know, a lot of clinical results, for instance, like, you know, I have a high rate of like significant clinical results in a short period of time because I spent a lot of time trying to assist the person. I'm not just like, okay, come three times a week, you know, and uh, here's a pin in your shoulder for five minutes, read a book and then leave. And so that's another reason why so many, you know, uh, it's just like literally the analogy of music, you know, you like hear some terrible music and you're just like, yeah, that's not interesting, right? And then you hear something, you're like, wow, that really touched me. From our understanding physiologically, at this point, there is nothing that makes sense of why acupuncture needle going in these specific points can facilitate something. But I can tell you this, I have dozens of patients who are physicians. Some of them are also professors at Yale. And in the first you know, 10 years, they would say, don't tell anybody. And in the second 10 years, they sent me all their patients, you know, and because and their families. That's the most important. Not their, just their, they sent me their families. They brought their families in because they got better. And all of the patients that I've treated who are physicians are still at a loss to explain what the experience is. But, you know, not to get into another, like, it's like a sunset. 
Like, can somebody explain to me why I love watching a sunset or my children running in the backyard or a glass of wine? You know, that's what I'm all about because I think information is beautiful and it's important. And I think what you guys are sharing is really important. But of all, this is 20 years of doing this. And in the beginning, you would have heard me 20 years ago, I would have listed off all the herbs, different stuff. Now it's like my shortcut is like everybody is miraculous. Everybody is their own, their own authority. You like you are your own authority and you should trust yourself with that and inform yourself and empower yourself because basically that is your right. It's my right. It's our right. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I have never solicited anybody for acupuncture in 20 years. And I don't plan on doing that. I'm just sharing it. And if you think what I'm saying is out there, you know, that's cool. I'm, I'm used to that, but not anymore. Now, all of a sudden, when I first did it, you know, people are like, what? Like, and now everybody's like, oh yeah, I get acupuncture here. I get acupuncture there. So, you know, I, I hope that was, uh, you know, I know I kind of was a little bit, not to the point, no pun intended on that, but basically, you know, it's really a personal experience that hopefully if you're interested, you'll find out, you know? So Jock, tell, along with um, what Alicia was asking, can you explain why you always look at our tongue when we come in? And so, then also like when, I always find it interesting how sometimes the, the pins hurt, the needles hurt, and then sometimes they don't. Like I remember one time, you poked me and it hurt really bad. I was like, what is that? And you're like, oh, that's your liver point. And I was like, oh, of course, because I had four drinks last night. You know, like, it's funny how it's like, <laughs> you know, like, it always hits the point that's like, okay, yes, because my stomach hurts. That's my stomach point. So can you explain like one, why, why those points hurt more than other times you don't even feel it go in? Okay. And two, why you look at the tongue. Okay. So, oh. Do you, uh, so if you, if you have, you don't have to have children for this, but if you have children or if you, you know, have the habit of, the reason is, is you wind up looking at your kid's tongues more than anything, right? You know, you generally don't ask your significant other or somebody at work, hey, can I see your tongue, right? So if you look at someone's tongue after they've taken antibiotics, you'll see a big, thick white coat, almost 99% of, 99 of the time. If it's significant, um, you'll see yellow and white. That's an advanced stage. Generally, if you ask, if there's somebody, they're always cold and they wanna always drink hot tea and they always prefer warm, their tongue's gonna be white. And if you see, if you ask somebody, they're always like, hot and they're just like you know they always want ice drinks and you know they don't sleep well they have difficulty sleeping you always see it's more red or dry red and a pale red and then the tip will be red so so basically the tongue expresses our physical it's an expression of of a lot of physical symptoms it's unbelievably accurate however when somebody takes a lot of pharmaceutical i'm I'm looking at, do you know what a, uh, a, a red-headed woodpecker is? They're about this big. They're literally that big. One is literally just 
which is right outside the window here. It's amazing, actually. What is he pecking? Is he pecking your tree or your house? <laughs> um, it is a large pine that he's making his way down the bark of. But anyway, I hope you know you can cut that out. It, I'll take a picture of it for you if you want. But so, so to go back to the tongue, if you if you take a lot of uh, medications, then it's not accurate. So I learned that a long time ago. I would look at people's tongues and I'd be like, whoa. And then, and then, I, and then I would look there on like five meds. The medication, so the tongue is not generally accurate in diagnosis if the person takes a lot of medication. A lot of people don't know that actually. So including, I don't think they even teach that in school. So the pulse right? The pulse and the tongue together are two classical ways that people take, uh, uh, you know, uh, diagnostic tools. Okay. So, so the, the tongue, if you want the little, you know, if this, if the front, I'll say it, right? I won't, because not everybody's going to see this. So the back of your tongue is deaf, is generally your bladder and your kidney, the sides of your tongue, your gallbladder and your liver, the tip of your tongue is the heart and the small intestine and the lung and the center is the stomach and the spleen. Now, I do not use that terminology anymore because that does not, it does mean your organs, but it more so means relationships. And relationships, each organ, each has a relationship with an emotion, with a season. And not, just joking around, you know, since you mentioned that, it's not because you drank four drinks that your liver hurts. It's the liver has to do with the smooth flow of emotions. And it's not your anatomical liver, but it's an emotional expression. So the reason you had four drinks is because you wanted your liver to relax, you understand? That's the, so the point itself is to release the tension. Alcohol is definitely not a bad thing because like it, you know, but sometimes, you know, it can also have adverse effects, but you know, that's what kids like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna scream. You know, we don't have tantrums. If people had more tantrums, then they would be less pissed off and then they would drink less, you know, because like we, do, we don't express our emotions. You know, break, in Mimi knows that, break stuff. Like, used to say, go home and like break some eggs or like break some glass, you just, and then when you do that, you get a release. We, this, you know, that's what we should have a, just break stuff, you know, party. And not, then some people, that person you don't want to, the person's like, yeah, yeah, I want to break. Then you're just like, no, you need to chill out a little bit, right? You want to tell little kids, just break things. They'll just like, yeah, I'll go to town doing that. So, um, so the tongue, hopefully I answered the question. As far as the reaction to the uh, points, that is specific to relationships with your physical body. Like for instance, if I have a really bad shoulder injury, I went skiing and I fell. Then when I do a shoulder point like over here, then the person will be like, oh, that hurts. And I'm like, move your shoulder. They're like, eh, it feels better. That's weird. Okay. When it comes to a, a chronic disorder, like, 
like a Lyme, which I really put Lyme to me is in an autoimmune illness. Um, when, when, I, when I look at Lyme disease, I look at it more like autoimmune. So I go after trying to help the person's autoimmune system to regulate. That's the best way that I can help somebody quickly as possible. Because a lot of times people who have chronic Lyme don't sleep well, their digestive systems don't work. And, you know, you know, and they're, and you can't get better if you're not sleeping and you're not digesting and you're supposed to be trying to heal while you live your daily life. So, you know, you need 80 units of energy to heal and, and you only have 60 and your body is spending and you, you need 70 to get through the day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just like, you just kind of fall backwards that way, you know? And so Jacques, when you're treating someone with Lyme or an autoimmune disorder, are there, do you recommend any kind of particular eating or lifestyle changes to go along with the acupuncture or any other type of treatments that they should be doing? Generally speaking, yes. And that's an individual thing. And the reason is, let's say it's like a young, like it's a, a, a young a mom with infant toddler and, you know, like a five-year-old or something like that. So, and she's living on sweets right now. Okay, sweets and coffee. This is not the time to tell her stop eating sweets and stop drinking coffee. Like, you know, how many people have come in? Their faces, like, they're like, I went to like, you know, functional medicine or, you know, whatever. And they're like, I, this is, I'm allergic to all these things. It's like 72 things. They're like, I can't eat anything. It's like so traumatic for them. Now, other people, that list is like no brainer for them. They're like, yeah, you know, so there are people when I meet them, I'm like, listen, you know, cut down on this and this. They're like, nah, that's no problem. I can handle that. Other people, it's like, that's my only thing I love. You're going to take that from me? Definitely don't take it then. First, help them feel good. And then when they start to feel good on their own, you then support them. And then you're like, you know, why don't you cut out this or try to eat fruit instead of like, you know, the chocolate and, you know, assist them. It's all individual, you know, like when somebody's already hurt and the last thing you want to do is make them suffer more. You got to know people like some people like, oh yeah, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, okay, run five miles, no problem. Like, and other people it's like, you know, I, I can't run five miles. I can't even run down to the, you know, telephone pole like that's 100 yards so you don't want to make them feel bad that's I personally think that's one of the most important things in all of this is helping empower people not make them feel worse and you know and and definitely once once somebody gets into victim loop that is a big danger game especially young people because then they identify with it and then it becomes their reality and that is very hard to pop somebody out of it's very difficult it's not my business but i assist them to try you know to get out of that because you start 
not you, but like individuals start telling that themselves that story every day, they will create that reality for themselves. And, um, and uh, it's, we have to know that we can do something, that we're empowered, that we can change our lives. Right now, same thing. We can change our lives, you know, absolutely, even if it's the smallest thing. Right, right. Can you tell um, us about, I know you just started because of the coronavirus and being in quarantine, these online classes. Um, so can you talk about what you're offering online now? Um, so I, you know, it ties in with Lyme for sure in, in this way. So <clears throat> what I started to do was I started one-on-one -on -one Zooms for people that I'd been treating and as I did that, I realized, you know, something that I go back to 93 in Shanghai, simple ways that people can self-heal and self-care. So acupressure, movements, and I modified them and I call them vitality awareness exercises, okay? So that's a mouthful, but why did I say that? Because if I say it's chi, then all of a sudden it's esoteric, right? Oh, I move the chi, right? I agree. You try no, to get, how long did you try to? No. Energy healer. I never put that on my door, right? right? Everybody's like, oh, he's an energy healer. I'm like, hey, what's up? So, you know, why? Because as soon as somebody thinks in those terms, like I've met people, so I've, I've treated many energy healers. They come to my office to get treatment because they're like, wow, you fixed, you know, you fix them up. I need help. I'm like, okay, you're an energy healer. I'm like, all right, that's but cool. Remember like 15, 20 years ago, you gave me the VCR of like the Tai Chi, like exercises. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yep. this is like how we're dating ourselves. It was like the VCR. Yeah, totally. Right? And yeah. it's just like trying to learn how to do that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that, so like who has time for that kind of stuff? Right. So, so I've learned, I've learned a lot over the years. So, so basically with the Zooms, I, I, I teach people, for instance, so after, after about a week of doing these, I decided to do these classes. And, and Mimi will get a kick out of this and probably you guys all already experienced this. So I sent out this email and because I wasn't collecting email, I had like 8,000 patients, I never took emails. And so I probably in the last five years, I like have a thousand emails or so. So I sent this out. I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this zoom class. And like, so people jumped on it and there were like 50, 60 people, like all jumping on the screen and a bunch of them know each other. And then all of a sudden, like the thing started shutting off, you know? And, and so that was really kind of, I was like, wow. But anyway, what I did was I combined acupressure. The first class I did were these vitality awareness exercises because Vitality is what we are. We want, if you feel vitality, you feel young, you feel vigorous, that's health, right? Awareness is awareness of feeling that way, like after a bike ride or after dancing, or you just feel good. That's the main intent of these. And then, so I use movements, which are like simple that I actually put together so that even people can do in a chair. Um, I co combined acupressure mostly for the heart and the lungs, specifically for this virus, because our lung has to be powerful and healthy. And so many people are having anxiety. So I put those two things together 
so people could feel less anxious and feel, you know, stronger. And then I do a guided, uh, it's not a meditation, you could call it a meditation, but it's an awareness of feeling sensations in our body. And, and then there is a little bit of an intention, like we're also, you know, think of it this way, every cell in your body right now is alive and joyfully alive. And I believe has intelligence. If we study biology, you know, how do, it's miraculous. How do our organs form? How does our body heal? And so the, the classes are about that. And then one leg from next to the next. And tonight I'm doing, uh, uh, and that's, I always just tell me before, facial rejuvenation. Why? Because my wife's like, look, everybody's stuck. You're teaching about, you know, uh, sleep and, and anxiety and back pain and neck pain. And, and why don't you teach a, you know, facial rejuvenation. So I, I taught that and a lot of people email back. So I'm going to do another one tonight for the people who missed it. So I think you're going to give me another analogy about music, but how long would you tell our listeners would be the average amount of time that they would need to go see an acupuncture? What is the length of their healing or do they continue to come to you for their lifetime? Yeah, that's, that's a, I really like your questions specifically because they're, they're not only clear, but the, over the years, what you've asked is what most people ask me. And in the past, and I, and, and I, I will, I will forsake the music analogy, but it's, it's, uh, and what I mean by that is, is, your questions are, are really clear. You know, many people would wake up, you know, you have to remember most of the population I treated, especially for the first 10, 15 years, no one believed in acupuncture. And, and you know, I don't know where you grew up, but the East Coast, Darien, is not really considered a place where people are burning incense and, you know, doing yoga, you know, at the park. So my practice was built by people who are like, this guy fixed my back and my golf game is killing it now, right? And you know, and he didn't tell me to like, you know, eat grass clippings and told me like, you know, I can have margaritas. So I was they're like, hey, this guy's cool, right? So 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 however your question is really clear. And the and people would get up and go, how could this, what? And then I'm like, does it matter? And they're like, no, whatever, like catch you later. <clears throat> so the first thing is I personally believe the most important thing is you find somebody that you feel comfortable with, that you can have a relationship with, that you have a connection with. That's the most important thing because it's, it's, it's an intimate experience. Now, many people might disagree with me, but that's my personal opinion. Secondly, you might really like each other, but if you're not getting any clinical results, there's better things. People might like hanging out with me because I like to laugh and have fun, but like they're not gonna come and, you know, if like their shoulder's not getting better, right? So, the first thing is making a connection. The second thing is having a strategy 
and connecting with the person and really listening from what you have something to say. If they're not listening and they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, honestly, forget it. Like it's, you're not a machine and they're not fixing anything. There's nothing wrong with you. I told these, I had students, Mimi doesn't know that, but like I had students coming, I was in, uh, for Bridgeport University, I was running an externship clinic. And I was like, you're not doing anything. You're not fixing anything. And they were like, what? You know, like, I want you to understand you're there to facilitate their healing. You're just assisting their healing. And that's not the case with herbs. You can make herbal suggestions that can really help somebody and you can also make them that really screw somebody up. So that's another ball game. Herbs, you know, herbs are just like, can be taken like medications. They can be inappropriately, you know, diagnosed. So that's, that's something I think is really important is if you go to an herbologist, acupuncturist. But acupuncture itself, you're looking for a connection you're looking for a uh, clinical result, and you're looking for somebody who can explain your experience. You know, for instance, you're like, you know, after the treatment, it really hurt, or I got a bruise, and they're like, oh no, that wasn't, or I had a migraine after the treatment. And they're like, no, 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 that had nothing to do with the treatment. Absolutely not. Very likely, you know, that they may have triggered a migraine. Now, if they're good at what they do, I shouldn't say that. If they're knowledgeable and have a lot of experience, they might have seen that many times, you know? I think I've done like 60,000 treatments, you know, something like that. So I have a lot of experience. I've seen some wild things. So I'm like, okay. So I know, yeah, definitely we don't want to aggravate that. What did you eat? What, you know, it's, it's you know, all healing, That you don't have to suffer in order to get better. Sometimes that's the case, but generally that can be avoided, okay? You know, it's not a no pain, no gain thing, all right? So I hope that kind of answered to some extent, uh, you know, as far as how many treatments, some people do three times a week, shorter treatments, other people do once a week. Six or eight treatments, unless it's something which is really severe, you should definitely see some results. Even people who have severe conditions should see something. My patients, ongoing radiation, chemo, that's another story. You know, when, when you're treating them, basically they need to come in as often as they feel it's going to benefit them. You know, I have a few people right now that you know, I just need to support through that. And I've done that many, many times. So. Doc, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time and, and speaking with us. I think we've learned a lot. I want to share your website so that if people want to come find you and find your online classes, it's everydayvitality.com. And he will have his um, online programs on there as well for people to take. Yeah, I, I truly thank you for having me and for what you're doing and sharing and just keep going. 
And Thank you. I hope that you and your families are all well in this time. And we can all use this in some way to transform ourselves into more opportunity for a better, better society, better communities, and, you know, better, better life. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook, and let's heal together. Thank you.